0: Welcome to Complimentary, a series covering the principles and practices of interface design hosted by Katie Langerman and Anthony Hobday. Today, we're discussing the value of visual design to your career. We could put a disclaimer on this podcast telling people to listen to it at 2x speed every time. (laughs) I'm sure they already do. I don't know. I think it is less popular than you think. It is because I, I think only pe- people who are really into podcasts listen to them fast, and the most, the majority of the listening community has no idea that they can speed them up.
1: I mean, I was using Overcast when I was listening to podcasts, and it, it's such a sort of obvious feature there. So I'd be surprised if people haven't noticed it. But yeah, it, it might be that you need to get over that initial sort of mental barrier before you can try it. Still, mm. it's, a, it's a brave new world out here when you when you join <laughs> us, enlightened folks. Anyway.
0: Today, we're talking about visual design and how it is a valuable skill for your career. So I think the mm. conversation is more geared towards career, as I understand this topic.
1: Yeah. I don't know about you, but um, my career experience has all been of a specific type. And so there's probably a lot of interesting and valid perspectives I don't have uh, but that would help in this conversation. But hopefully, the two of us can land on something that is valid. Yeah. And at least a little bit true about the value of visual design.
0: That's how I see the goal of every episode. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully between the things, two of us.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's some things we're both basically experts on mm-hmm. or between us, we've got expertise. Whereas career stuff, you know, you've only had X number of jobs. Usually it's single digits. And so... Uh, it, to wax lyrical on the value of visual design to a design career in general is, is a bit harder, I think, but um, yeah, at least from our own perspectives, that we might land on something that's generalizable.
0: Right. We're just speaking, I guess, disclaimer. We're speaking from our own personal perspectives, which I think we yeah. typically are doing on this podcast, but
1: yeah. I usually speak from your perspective. I, I don't know <laughs> if you were picking up on that. I thought you were speaking from mine. That's which <laughs> We've just been doing two of yours this entire time.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: so smart. Uh, I'm curious about your perspective, actually, from the start, because I have okay. quite a lot of ranty stuff to say about this, but I don't want to dominate the episode.
0: Okay. I'll get into like what has been top of mind for me lately, and I think probably top of mind for a lot of designers is AI. We've talked about it before on this podcast, and it's just like endlessly being talked about, but um, one of the common ideas about it, or I guess fears with designers is that it's going to take their job and like replace them and automate away all of their, their value. And my own perspective is that it will automate things about our job that are maybe a waste of time currently, or not necessarily a waste of time, but we could be spending our time in other ways that are more valuable. And so if we imagine a world where some kind of tool is automating away things about the work that we do what is it about our job that becomes more prominent and important visual design i think because that is a unique thing it's like your own point of view so mm. i think that we might see a shift more towards focusing on visual design again um if we start to see tools sort of automating away parts of our job
1: i, I thought about that topic because people have posted sort of proof of concept where something AI-based has generated, you know, five website designs, let's say. And they've been fed images from places like Dribbble and uh, DeviantArt. I don't know if you remember DeviantArt, but all those oh, sorts yes. of Oh, like yes. Wow. <laughs> image storage services. Uh, and so they can produce something that looks vaguely like a website design. Maybe the text is not accurate, whatever, but it, it's like a visual direction. I think, okay, so the AI can produce 10 of them can the ai then out of the 10 say this one is most suitable for the purpose uh, i suspect one day it can because i personally believe that humans are rule-based and if even an ai eventually learns all those rules even if we can't learn particularly easily then uh, m- maybe ai ends up being better than or machines end up being better at choosing the correct design so uh, there's always that emotional component it's, it's hard to see how far ahead we'd have to get in the future To be having machines make those sorts of emotional decisions completely accurately so that we'd rely on them you know because part of the emotional problem there is that we don't want to rely on a machine to choose something that will represent our brand or our product or whatever even if it is better than us we might still like you're saying want to rely on people because they are very obviously these emotional you know bags of water that uh, (laughs) don't think like we do necessarily, but we, we all like think in a way that's sort of recognizable. So uh, yeah, it's an interesting one because I suspect actually machines will be good at doing that, but we might not trust them to do it. Hmm. And so I, I agree with you, at least for the next couple of decades, probably, as much as predictions about technology are dangerous. Yeah. It feels like there'll still be a place for people who have good visual design sort of sense.
0: Right. So you're saying it it might be less important to invent these new designs yourself and more important to be able to identify which ones are actually good that the AI invented for you.
1: Yeah, and it's also what I find a bit strange is that that people are treating it like this brand new thing. But one of the uh, a common part of most design processes, especially in visual design, is you go and get what is essentially a mood board. And so you, you gather things that inspire you, or you've been gathering them over the years anyway, and they just pop into your mind. But you go and gather things that are along the right lines and that inspire you to pick a certain direction. And so I think that's that the part you're talking about that is sort of could become automated because actually it's sort of uh uh unnecessary work. You know, we could just start right with a design because the mood board is essentially gathered for us with a few a few keywords. And that's a big part of any visual design process is like what do I want the visual design to represent? And then I'm gonna go and gather some examples potentially of things that represent that so I can use that as inspiration for my own work. Um And so, yeah, just it's a machine doing that instead of a a person. And that does feel quite um, sort of monotonous work. Although discovery is always fun, you know, looking through a list and be like, not that one, but yes, this one.
0: Yeah. What you just said makes me think about like people might actually really like this part of their job. And so now I'm wondering if it becomes incredibly inexpensive to have machines designing products for us, like our companies, do you see a world where a company is like, We'd rather just have the humans do it because they enjoy it and we value that over this machine for some reason. So we're going to like spend a lot more money on this. It beca- almost becomes like a part of their brand identity or their company identity to be like human powered, <laughs> not machine powered. Yeah. And that becomes like a space for people to keep doing things by hand and doing things manually. Like maybe we'll, we'll see like a weird divide.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there was the, the movement, uh, which I always forget the name of when I need to remember it. There was a, a big movement in the UK about sort of handcrafted arts, arts and crafts, you know, um, it, I think it was Morris or Morrison was his name. And he started this movement with a load of other designers and artists. And it was about doing everything by hand and avoiding machine or mass produced stuff. And they didn't have particularly good definitions for their movement in terms of what was handcrafted and what was machine made or whatever their terms were. Uh, But I think if you look at history, the same thing might happen here in terms of it's handcrafted. Even though the tools you're using are electronic and help you automate some things, there's more automation coming in. But uh, we'll always value the handcrafted, but it'll be valued less overall. And so, before, if 90% of things became mass uh, mass mass-produced in a factory and 10% of things remained handcrafted, uh, compared to 100% handcrafted before that point, like the Industrial Revolution, uh, now maybe 90% could become sort of machine learning generated and 10% could remain human generated. Uh, And so I think you're right. We'll always value it. But actually, are there enough jobs to support the number of people who want to make that way? Mm -hmm. And history says probably not.
0: (laughs) Or does it make you super valuable if you do operate that way and then you're part of this 10%... group where you have the ability to do it and like the next generation of designers actually don't have the ability because they didn't grow up in a world where they had they didn't have tools to to help them craft
1: Mm. well it makes me think of those people who are really into letterpress and they go and buy the machines that the companies no longer need and so they have eight or ten letterpress machines sitting in their basement or they've rented this factory space whatever and so they they print out these beautiful hand print well not really hand printed even it's like the next level up you know it's machine printed but you're still sort of manually overseeing it all they print out these beautiful posters but it's still quite a small market because most people just want it printed on crappy paper you know with some streaks or whatever and uh they don't necessarily need the embossing or the beautiful attention to detail when it comes to inks and someone manually rolling a plate with you know sort of an ink roller so, yeah, it's hard to predict, but history says that it will exist as a market, but the market might shrink. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't really know how that changes if everything's digital, because everything we do is digital. And so that feels a bit different from going from machine to digital, but then yeah. from digital to more automated digital. I think the last episode we had was an AI episode in the end, and it wasn't <laughs> supposed to be.
0: I know. Last thought on that, I guess. I feel like we're talking about like vintage design and we're now become going to become like collectibles. <laughs> these peop these designers that like have a point of view, I guess, and understand visual design without a machine. I don't know. It's mm. ridiculous it sounds ridiculous. We have no way of knowing. Really.
1: We I can of- imagine uh because I'd use this some of this myself right now. I can imagine basically a company who cannot afford to hire a designer uses a machine to generate a load of designs and then has someone come in for only 10 minutes and say yes or no to each (laughs) other. Yeah. Because that's still, yeah, I think there's a lot that goes into it there that's sort of intuitive or seems intuitive from the outside. Hmm. And so uh, I suspect that'll still be valuable. It's just they don't need you for as long, right? Because you're not doing any of the mechanical work necessarily.
0: So we'll all become contractors.
1: Yeah. It could be like you're getting poorly written text and you're being asked to edit it rather than writing it in the first place. So you're you're sort of tweaking it, going through each section and being like, oh, this this alignment's slightly out because it's a computer doing it, not me. Um, so I'm. Gonna, I like that. Which is probably a bad example because you'd expect computers to be very good at alignment. Although no, uh, optical alignment actually that's a good example. So this this is mathematically aligned, but it's not quite right. Yeah. So I'm going to tweak that and this and that.
0: That's what I like about being a systems designer because the majority of my job is just editing, and mm. I'm an editor. I think I think we've talked about. Yeah,
1: this. I was. I was curious about your, your perspective because a lot of the design work I do is novel. Uh, I'm using sort of reusable components at a low level in terms of buttons, that sort of thing. Uh, but I design a lot of sort of novel screens, uh, based on those simple components or using those simple components, but you're designing the components in the first place. And so we've got a different approach to work, I guess. I'm curious where, how visual design factors in, in terms of its importance.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it's like when you're a systems designer working on a design system, you have to think about the entire system at all times. So you can't really narrow in on just one component and make like craft something really nuanced and special. I mean, you can craft something nuanced, but it has to like fit in with the whole rest of the system. And so I guess, you know, a machine could be taught what the rest of the system looks like and then like have some better tooling for design systems component design in that way but on a human level you just become so intimately aware of all the little details of the the system overall that it's really easy to spot inconsistencies when you're working on a, a new design mm. or you already have a lot to start with if you're not starting from scratch i haven't really worked on a design system like where you're creating brand new Designs. You're mostly just like systemizing existing designs, so you're making small adjustments. That's where you become an editor because you see all the yeah. visual inconsistencies with it, and then you make it better and make it fit in the system and optically align <laughs> things. There's a lot of optically aligning things. So,
1: yeah. Well, it's um, optically aligning is an interesting point when it comes to design systems because. Despite not working in design systems myself, I know that good visual design, which I think we've mentioned before, can be 80 to 90% systemized approach, systematized, a systematic approach to design, right? You can get a lot of the way to what looks good by applying systematic rules. But the last, let's say 10% might be tweaking things with the sort of human touch, Uh, regardless of the fact that those systematic rules are decided by humans. It's like they're applied sort of religiously thereafter. And so uh, I'm curious about that because it, from my outside perspective, it seems like there'll be less opportunity to apply those individual sort of human touches if you're working on design systems, because that last 10% is is not going to sort of propagate out to the rest of the system. You know, it's going to be um, not necessarily wasted effort, but maybe a bit too specific. Hmm. So I was curious about your thoughts on that.
0: I feel like that's a huge part of my job is like that last 10%. And I think it's really oh, okay. obvious when it's not getting done. <laughs> I guess like <clears throat> if a team is working on a component outside of the design systems team, that's typically where you will see it get to the 90% and it's it's like lacking that last bit of refinement that a systems designer would be able to see. Because from my perspective, there are many designers who actually can't see the problems with it when they're looking at that. They, they think it looks 100% fine, but I might look at it and see like a bunch of these little tiny issues That's why visual design is important for your career as a systems Mm. designer, because you just have to be able to spot that. Like, and it's also hard to teach it and hard to put into words, I guess. I mean, you can put it into words. Maybe I just never have, have never had to teach it, (laughs) but that is part of the, like, you just get a feeling when you see something, you know, it's like slightly off and you can tell visually by checking it. And then when you dig into it, you can see where it's like not using a part of the system or what part of the system it could be using to improve it, to, to take it that next, to, to to take it to that next level. So, Mm. but that's just my perspective again. (laughs) I don't know if that's how people think.
1: Yeah. I like your point about um, the value of visual design is partly that you can recognize these issues when you see them. I assume because, you know, being better at visual design trains your eye, essentially your designer eye in terms of the small details which i think we've all worked with people who could not see those small details not necessarily designers but probably designers as well as you're saying and um it's a bit strange if someone who can see those details because now you're so used to them that working with someone who can't see them it's like how can you not see the thing i'm seeing uh, I, I guess it's not really eyesight it's some kind of different sense that you're you're working on you know a recognition uh that's sort of But not quite nicely leads into a point I was wanting to make, which was that part of the value of uh, sort of better visual design skills for your career seems to be based on, in my mind, the idea that some designers don't want to be able to or don't care enough to be able to do that with visual design, to recognize those issues, look something over, sort of have that general sense of is this right or is this wrong? Uh, Because I see a lot of designers essentially say that they don't care about visual design as a skill set so I've spoken to a lot of designers who want to do let's say research and ideation and wireframing and they want to stop and then hand it off to someone else and I think that's becoming a more traditional view at this point it's like a not archaic but you know it's I think especially in the startup world there's a a more rounded skill set as expected but there are a lot of designers who don't seem to want to and have not really trained that muscle if that makes sense yeah I'm wondering if you've experienced that yourself
0: Well, it sounds like you're describing, I think people used to call themselves UX designers. And then if you were a UI designer, you did UX design, but also UI (laughs) on top of it. And then also there's like, what's the difference between UX designer and product designer? Mm -hmm. That was my introduction to it. So when I, like I started off not knowing what product design was, not really understanding what UX design was because I didn't study it. I was more like a front end person slash graphic designer. And then UX design, I don't know what, like roughly what year this was, like maybe seven years ago. That was kind of like the term that people were using and talking about user experience. So they weren't talking so much about visual design, but more like research, usability, which obviously ties into design. But Mm -hmm. then I learned about the term product designer. And that to me was like, oh, that's like the visual side where you get to combine like your graphic design background with the web and like usability stuff. And now I think product designer is like the more common title that we see over UX or UI design. But I have, I remember like at least a few years ago meeting designers who would say like, yeah, I'm a UX designer, but like I don't really do the UI side (laughs) or like, I don't focus on the UI. And that always frustrated me and confused me because it seems like such a big part of it.
1: Mm. Yeah. I, I, uh, I should say, I basically don't talk about design job titles ever because everyone has different opinions and they're all, all of the titles, I should say, not the opinions are useless in that they don't (laughs) actually describe like like you were saying just then, UX doesn't describe the lack of visual design because yeah. user experience includes a visual design. Uh, in the real world, I mean, I don't mean the title, I mean like your experience of something includes the visual design, assuming it's got a, an interface, a visual interface, I should say. Uh, so yeah, all of those titles make it quite uh, hard to talk about. And um, that's why I like to avoid them, just because I find it better to split them in a different way. Uh, but yes, I mean, I think you're you're hitting on basically what I was saying, which is that there are people who choose not to pursue that part of the design process and, and so i'm guessing those people can't look at a finished interface and spot those small visual design issues or maybe they can they don't really want to but i'm wondering in, in those cases like if you have a design director or a um, you know head of design or something who's more focused on the earlier parts of the design process who are they sort of relying on for that visual design knowledge or who are they handing it off to because like you said, it's, it's a valuable skill set and it is useful if you're producing finished interfaces, which I assume yeah. every software company is. But if you've got like the head of design or someone saying, I don't really do visual design stuff, then uh, where is it going? Who's, who's casting their eye over it?
0: Front-end engineers.
1: <laughs> I, I, I work with front-end engineers actually who care a lot about the yes. visual design. That uh, just feels a bit strange though. If like I think the expectation is that their focus is on the code. Because there's so many things about the code that can be improved upon and so many details there that they could focus on. That it, I'm not saying they shouldn't be able to focus on the visual design themselves, but I, I think it's unfair for any company to expect them to. Yeah. They've got a lot to keep in mind on the, the text side rather than the pretty pictures side.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're called full stack. Doesn't that mean they can do everything?
1: <laughs> yeah. Full stack designer, full stack developer. <laughs> This is strange as well, like titles, they don't match. We work closely with developers every day, but the title systems don't match up. There's no concept of, a, I mean, there is a concept of full stack designer, but we don't call them that. So uh, another reason, I guess, to um, to avoid it because, I mean, product designer itself was stolen from the world of industrial design. Yeah. Like physical object design, That those were originally the products.
0: Right. That's why I never say product designer to like people outside of tech because they're gonna think it's oh you design physical
1: things
0: (laughs) sounds way cooler i understand why we took it but
1: yeah but whenever i say i design software to people they assume i write code so really i've not yet found yeah i've not yet found the right term i mean when i say it to people outside of software i've not yet found the right term to describe what i actually do and i think that's partly because people don't know that interface designers really exist. Yeah. Uh, or that that person could exist without developing. So these days I uh, related to architecture and the people building the actual building. Like you wouldn't expect an architect to walk down to the building, building site and start laying bricks. So I don't either. <laughs> Stop being ignorant.
0: Titles are hard. Do you think it's less common now than to have, well, I don't even know what to call them now, a full stack designer? Um, <laughs> I really like that actually, that doesn't do UI design you, that it seems like that's kind of less common, like it, it's less common to see that on like a job description now.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, my impression has always been that at large companies you can specialize. And so I, I've interviewed in the past at companies that had separate designers who separately tackled visual design and the rest of it. And so there'd be this handoff process. And I know that that caused some problems at uh, basically every company I've heard it was used in. Uh, but those are large companies and so they can sort of afford to specialize and i think just the process of large companies failing and then smaller companies coming to replace them means that it is moving like you said towards more generalist designers i think it's it's more common that everyone sort of knows a bit about each process each step of the process mm-hmm. and then chooses to focus on one area if they can but yeah. uh, i think most startup jobs they can't afford to hire a separate researcher and a separate interaction designer let's call them and a separate visual designer so they hire someone who can do all three, and they probably do one of the three at least, you know, worse than a dedicated person would do. But uh, that, that's sort of the, the trade-off you have to make. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right.
0: Kind of depends on the priorities of the company and the budget and what they're willing to sacrifice, I guess. Mm. I,
1: I think, uh, I, I assume that most designers will go into a startup because there's many more startups and there are large companies that have specialized roles. And so uh, I assume part of the value of visual design for your career is that there are more companies in absolute terms, or no, in relative terms, that will expect you to have visual design skill sets. And so I've seen designers run into that where they didn't really focus on visual design and then they went to apply for jobs and found that a lot of companies expected you to have visual design skills. Mm -hmm. So that's a a sort of a very basic uh, benefit or value of visual design in your career is that if ninety percent of the jobs you apply to or think you can get require you to know something about visual design, then probably you will wish that you had started learning about it a year ago or so.
0: I do wonder what keeps designers who are not interested in visual design from just full on going into research and like maybe there's a a fear there that they will lose a little bit of power and in, in the ability to produce the content that they're researching for, like sometimes in research roles. Depending on the size of your company, you do a bunch of research and you won't see the value of that research for like years (laughs) depending Mm. on what kind of research it is. So maybe if you call yourself a UX designer that is focusing much more on the research, you get to do the part you really like and you're very good at and then sort of kind of do the visual part enough so that it's passing to the point where you get to produce content for the thing that you were just researching. So you, I don't know, yeah. be curious. I don't know a lot of researchers pers- personally, but I have worked in companies where designers were doing mo- much more research than visual design. And it's always kind of been curious to me <laughs> as a mm. full stack designer.
1: I usually break down the design process in general terms into sort of understanding and then ideation and then execution. And I think some specialized jobs sort of generally line up with those. Uh, I think they all require a different sort of mindset and skill set. And so I think that there's probably a lot of people who quite enjoy the research part and the ideation part, don't enjoy so much the um, execution part, which includes visual design. You know, how is this actually going to appear to the people who use it in the end? How will it work and everything? And so I expect you find people who like two out of those three sort of in every combination. Although it's interesting to think that someone might really enjoy research and really enjoy visual design and then not want to touch like the sort of more middling interaction design stuff where you're mm-hmm. coming up with the ideas and because you've just gathered all the information that leads to the ideas. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, but then you're like, no, nope, don't, don't, don't let me come up with ideas. But then you're getting the ideas back and be like, okay, now I'm going to polish these. So probably it's any two sort of adjacent uh, seems like the more common.
0: What about product managers? Should they have visual design skills?
1: I, I, well, I, my experience, I've never worked for a designer who is more senior than me. I've only ever worked for product managers who are more senior than me, which probably put an interesting spin on my sort of career in general, but uh, it is what it is. But yeah, I think if the product manager doesn't have any visual design skills, then someone in my position, you either have to go outside the company to get that sort of feedback or or you know, um, refinement or just rely on yourself, you know. Yeah. So I'm always grateful when someone can at least look at something and say, this isn't quite right. And then that like, gives me the energy to sort of pick it up again and say, let me try and find out what isn't quite right about it. Because eventually your your brain sort of gets tired of looking at the same thing. And so you you can't necessarily um, give yourself feedback anymore. You need someone else to come in and say, no, it's crap.
0: Yeah. So you do expect. So think, yes, ideally. Yeah.
1: But expect is a strong word. I mean, it's ideal. but I guess it's ideal that everyone was a visual design expert at every company. <laughs> Well, well, not for the person hired to do it.
0: I don't I just don't really um the, the PM role is sort of interesting to me. I don't know a whole lot about it and so I don't know what the expectations are. I think there are some PMs that are more visual and like more on the design side and some that are more on the research side, similar to the UX designers we were just describing. And I know that mm. it's a it's a role that some designers end up moving into. Because, or and the other way around, some PMs end up moving into design because they discover that they really like the design side of it. So, I think in my mind, it would be expected for a PM to have the eye and understand visual design to be able to kind of sign off on things and like push a product, a feature forward. But I haven't, Mm. I don't have a lot of personal experience. PMs are more rare on the design system side. So I don't have a lot of personal experience working with that kind of functionality.
1: Yeah, I've always thought that PMs were more responsible towards the understanding side. If they are responsible for And the business side. Yeah, because it's different for each company, right? So that the PM is most responsible probably for that business understanding, like, why are we doing what we're doing in the first place? And then as you go through to like research and then interaction design and then visual design, I think their responsibility gets less and less uh, in my experience. But maybe their interest stays there. And so you might consult i'm thinking about like the racy matrix whatever it's called the responsible or rice is it there's, there's some acronym for business people where you like have people who are responsible for a thing and there's people you consult about a thing but they're not responsible for it hmm. and there are people you inform about a thing but like if it is racy which is raci i can't remember what the a stands for <laughs> okay uh but anyway yeah so um you might like a PM might come in and look at your visual designs, but not really have much to say about them except for the odd feedback. And they might be more interested about the sort of interaction design and be consulted about that because it, it really impacts maybe the success of the... Yeah. But yeah, it feels like there's a, a sort of a, a taper there to how much they should or will be involved. And it gets narrower towards the sort of execution end. Having said that, I think PMs work quite closely with developers, so execution feels like a, an important part as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting, but that's, that's for a uh, product management podcast. Oh, boy. Coming soon from Complementary <laughs> Studios. <laughs> I'll
0: have to do a lot of research on that one.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a lie, just in case anyone's <laughs> confused.
0: Do we have anything else to add here? Any more rants? Uh, I
1: think, yeah, so I've always been curious about that general point of, for senior people who are not involved in visual design, who are they handing it to? Because I, I never get a straight answer out of anyone I ask because I think they're quite defensive. When i ask them about that i think there's there's some element of like probably a designer should be an expert in all of those stages all of those steps i think there's some element of i should know about this but it doesn't suit me and so i'd never learned about it because it is a different skill set a different mindset it's not going to suit everyone i think that's completely valid Uh, but i think some people feel like you're accusing them of not having a skill set and so i've never really got sort of an honest or practical answer to that question and i'm often not willing to ask because these are quite senior people who who aren't interested in visual design or downplay the importance of visual design. And it's hard to ask about why they feel that way without sounding like you're yeah accusing them of something, a lack of judgment or an absence of something. So I'm not sure. And I'm really interested, actually, because um, I've always been the only, uh, only person responsible for all of it because I've only worked at small companies. I'm always curious about how visual design happens at these big companies where um, some people don't seem to care about it
0: are you asking me
1: <laughs> no no I, uh, anyone who's listening who wants to you know head of design at microsoft or something please come and talk to me although i think big companies like that maybe it's getting less and less common i think a lot of those big companies are actually taking after startups potentially and they're hiring the sorts of designers that a startup would need who are journalists and they're just expecting more from every person they hire so um, maybe um, the people I could ask about it are sort of less and less every year.
0: I mean, my gut reaction to that as somebody who does work at a big company is that it's a big company and there's so many designers. It's just kind of mm. chaotic. Like there is no, it's not like there's one head designer kind of like checking things off and approving visual design. It all sort of has to run it. It operates they all have different pace layers (laughs) it operates (laughs) on different scales Mm. timing um technologies teams people it's like at scale it's much harder i think when it's a smaller team it makes more sense to have one you know a couple of high level designers who have that ability to like really refine and in some cases that's night like the better scenario It's really nice when you just have like two people to work with and you can refine and like get it really good and and get it exactly how you want actually to be developed too because that's the other part of this is what do you mean? Are you talking about static design assets that are not designed well or are you talking about like designs that were produced with code and then ended up not looking good? Like there's two sides to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that the most common approach I hear about when people do talk about this in terms of how do we as a large company maintain visual design quality is uh, that they have like a weekly or monthly meeting where they basically go go through everything and everyone who's got some sort of valid uh, constructive input is in that meeting and they give feedback to the person about what they've done. Uh, that seems to be the approach that every company who does talk about it publicly uses. Mm -hmm. Uh, to maintain quality including visual design quality and i suspect in those large meetings you've got people who will focus on giving feedback about let's say the interaction design or how it fits into the larger system as a separate one and then you'll have people who basically only give feedback about visual design because that's what their sort of mind is working on all day and that's part of their value and so it's not as if we're saying that visual design is the most valuable thing definitely not but um I think you'll have different people in that meeting of large, like a large meeting at a large company that have different focuses. And so if you didn't have two people in that room let's say like you're saying that can give feedback on the visual side then I suspect that company's visual design would suffer overall. Or if you didn't have every design passing passing in front of those people somehow then I think it would suffer overall you get the inconsist- inconsistency you see at some companies I should say a lot of companies because that's right. the sort of default <laughs> is inconsistent visual design.
0: So you think at the top level like high level maybe design director or like principal designers on the team that are present for these monthly design reviews, basically, you think that at their level in the company, they will have enough perspective of what's happening kind of below them to be able to give good visual design feedback. Not even, maybe not visual design feedback, but like usable, usability feedback and interaction design feedback because mm. they're sort of yeah, removed. We're react- They're a bit removed from the day-to-day process, right? They're not really seeing code being deployed. They're not seeing like all the new little tiny features and bug fixes that are happening day-to-day. So Mm. their picture of the, their big picture might be actually a little different from the actual picture, (laughs) or maybe they want the picture to look different. (laughs) So they're sort (laughs) of striving for that. But in reality, it's not that like ideal. So- I
1: yeah. I find this topic absolutely fascinating because it's a position I it's a position I think I'd like to have one day and I'm glad it exists, but it's not always a guaranteed position, which is the principal design you're talking about, it's because this comes up quite a lot in terms of designer job ladders. Once you get to be a really senior individual contributor, what do you actually do all day? Because a lot of people go into management. But if you stay on the IC track and you're still doing design work every day, like interface design work every day, what do you actually do? And it seems like the answer is almost always these people are sort of the embodiment of the standards of the company and they are overseeing everything. And it seems like the most they do in terms of practical design work is it might lead the design of a major new feature. I think it's because the company has such a lot riding on that big new feature or a new product, let's say that they put a principal designer in lead in terms of the interface design so that they, their embodiment of those standards of the company, their knowledge of how everything fits together helps guide the process, but they're not necessarily doing screens themselves. And so that's, I think there's a lot of value in that just because companies who want to maintain a certain standard do need someone whose main focus is those standards, right? It's a very general picture, but it's still focused on details, um, sort of across the board. And so, yeah, I think any company who has those sorts of um, meetings would need those people, those principal designers in there to be able to give that feedback. And like you're saying, across visual design, interaction design, sort of the system behind it all, how it relates to the business, all that stuff. So yeah, I think that's uh, what the companies rely on. Mm
0: -hmm. Maybe we should do a whole episode about principal designers, because there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. And now I'm wondering if maybe there just aren't enough principal designers at these really huge companies, because that's a lot to take on to like you, the sole person are sort of responsible for maintaining the integrity of the design of this massive website which means like future things so being able to adapt to incoming ideas and then balance that with the old existing stuff like that's really challenging not saying it's going to be only one person at a company it could be a couple but that person has to balance all of that, and then they're also probably doing some work because they're in IC. So they sh- they probably are mm. producing things, and if you're producing things, it's hard to sort of like you're you're producing things, you're narrowing in on that one thing, but at the same time, you're also supposed to have this like really big picture idea in your head of everything. Mm. And so, I think that might be a really difficult role, and maybe not as com not very common to see and then on the business end of things like design managers and design leadership you know we could argue like they should be also have that vision and be able to direct and make sure everything is like staying within the principles of whatever has been decided for for that product or company but then they have tons of other responsibilities business related responsibilities people management yeah. they're probably in meetings all day, every day. Like, do they really have the capacity to focus on visual design in a in a review? And like, have because that takes a lot of brain power. And I don't know that companies want to hire people to just think. <laughs> like, your job no, is to not visible think and be like a library. You're like a book mm. for everything, and you're a resource for people. I think they will hire you to do that and then they'll give you a bunch of tasks. And then also you're now you're suddenly doing like two jobs. So it's a lot of pressure and I don't know that it works. That's kind of like this relates to the quality conversation where we've talked about it's Mm. kind of impossible at scale. And I think this is, this probably contributes to that to some degree.
1: Absolutely. I think what I find interesting is that large companies you'll have Probably a few different approaches you could take i think one of them is design systems i think people lean on design systems for visual design quality and maybe that gives them a maybe that means there's a chance they'll miss that last 10 that means it's really high quality because they're relying on it being systematic and therefore sort of set it and forget it it sounds like a lot of your work is don't forget it like make sure you set it and then tweak it endlessly because we need to maintain that quality and so i think there's different ways to sort of approach that In a large company but what i find interesting is at small companies almost every if you have a company where there's only one or two designers almost every one of those companies will be relying on those designers for that process they'll be relying on that designer to be the embodiment of the standards and it's usually the more senior designer Uh, but to take it away from interface design the last company i worked at they had one graphic designer who was doing marketing stuff for the longest time and this person had all of the style guide like the brand style guide in their brain they'd never written it down because they didn't need to (laughs) and so they embodied the visual representation of the company, just in themselves. And so everything you ever did that related to the visual design or the the brand of the company had to go through this person. Um, I think that's extremely common in small companies because Mm -hmm. that person can keep it all in their head. And it's when you get to a huge company where you've got like, you know, 20 designers, let's say you can't keep one unified sort of coherent idea in 20 people's heads at once. And so I think that's where you have to add more sort of middle layers to that. Uh, hierarchy and have those principal designers who are like no this isn't right yes this is right
0: big bus factor there with the with the guy with the style (laughs) the style guide in his head do you know what bus factor means oh yeah
1: yeah (laughs) i was thinking i was thinking like computer buses like usb and things and then i was realized yeah if you get hit by a bus then you know (laughs) there goes how how bad is it for the company yeah
0: i wonder if it is possible to take all this stuff out of principal designers and like systemize it of course my first question is how do we systemize <laughs> principal designers to not have to rely on being human people that you know but well
1: it's clearly valuable right yeah that's why design systems are so part of the reason design systems are so uh, a big money basically but i think there's always an element of even if you can write it down make it explicit which is already difficult um even if you can do that someone has to read that explicit representation of the standards. And then apply them to their own work and so there's that is is this applied correctly element which you can never avoid i don't think yeah so if you're relying on individuals to read something that's been written down probably relatively poorly and then make sure it is applied well i think that's much harder than having someone who is your taste your internal taste sort of metric yeah and they look at everything and say yes no yes no
0: (laughs) this is a good i think this is a good way to to end this episode basically what we're saying is like having good visual design skills could help you get promoted to principal, because that's a, ve- a valuable part yeah. of becoming really senior in your craft is the visual design side of it
1: yeah and uh, and the point about smaller companies is good visual design skills means that you will be able to be the like the company will, will rely on you in terms of keeping all that sort of internal knowledge in your head yeah and it'll increase your bust factor, which is probably worth money, <laughs> as long as you can convince the company that it is important. I think that's an important part of this sort of whole equation. Is the company might not know that that's happening, yeah. Especially if they're small, especially they're new. Whereas I think a big company is probably more aware. Like, oh, if, if we lost these two people, we wouldn't really have anyone who could look at everything and quickly give us, you know, valuable feedback.
0: Yeah, and I think they rely on those people to also be mentoring and teaching other people how their mm, brain works. Absolutely so yeah you're transferring
1: some of that sort of some of those standards yeah by osmosis absolutely
0: interesting okay
1: yeah i love this topic yeah uh, I'm, i'm glad we got
0: onto that yeah this is a good conversation i enjoyed it all right thanks everyone for listening catch you in the next one